Hi there, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. This episode comes from a live show we did on April 22nd, 2019. We had on the newly elected Hennepin County Sheriff, Dave Hutchinson. We talked with the Sheriff Hutch about what a sheriff's office actually does, what he hopes to accomplish while in office, and how he'll be different than his predecessor. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at MinPost.com. Thank you so much for being here. This Thanks is, for having me. This is, among many things, I feel like this is something that you, being on our show is something you uh, were willing to do that your predecessor wasn't. Uh, well, we, can, so, we can always call him and ask uh, So, uh, so excited to have you here. Um, I, I, I want to talk about uh, issues and uh, things that uh, you ran on and a variety of things, but I kind of wanted to start with just an existential question of why do we have a sheriff? Well, it's a good a good question for the city folks is uh, the sheriff is the longest standing elected uh, law enforcement official, uh, which is important because you know we are uh, we are elected, so we we don't have to you know go through the politics of a mayor with the the city council and stuff. So what directly the people want from us, they generally get in most cases, and that's why it's the longest standing uh, lawman and the and the and women in the. The country's history. So, I mean, this is an interesting piece to me because we don't – I always find it interesting these cases where we have a a position like sheriff, but you could say this the same as something like a secretary of state or an attorney general where we think of the job as somehow separate from politics almost, and yet – it's an elected job. It's something that you campaign and you run and you have an opponent. And I, I always have a hard time sort of squaring that. So I, I don't know. How do you think about that? You are elected. You defeated someone else. Uh, how do you separate? This guy started here. I, I think um, the reason it's important is, again, because the people have the ultimate decision. Um, you know, and most you know, city politics and policing is it gets lost in the shuffles that you have to go through all these government. But it's it started way back when when uh, we needed someone to protect the people who couldn't protect themselves, and that's where we started, and that's where it's continued. So, so why did you get elected? I mean, I mean, yeah. I, we were I, like, talking to yeah. people before the show, and they were. I, I had several people who said like. I, that was how did he get elected? I don't know how that happened, and I think they well, meant it in a nice way. Yeah. Well, um, but they were, yeah, it was. Uh, and yeah. several media talked about it as one of the most surprising things that happened this past election cycle. So, you know, hard work and not giving up, and uh, running against a guy who's uh, kind of a jerk is kind of helped too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, so, uh, I, I think that I so I. And I'm wondering, because it is sort of like, I I wonder how much people even knew what the sheriff does, or particularly somewhere, I I think we were talking a bit about this, like, maybe there are certain parts of the county where your office is more present. I think a lot of people here would think more, oh, I I deal maybe more often with uh, uh, Minneapolis police, or Mm -hmm. even maybe state patrol or something like that. But I don't see the sheriff, I don't know what the sheriff does. So then it seems like, how do you, how did you make the case? to people like it matters who your sheriff is well it, it definitely matters i think we made the case just because of, of if you don't like what your city organizations are doing you know we're the big brother big sister of any law enforcement agency in our county um 
So, you know, I think a lot of it was immigration, mental health, and opioids. And, you know, we can control a lot of that uh, where, you know, Minneapolis can do a lot of stuff on their own. But, you know, a city like New Hope or, or Corcoran way out west, uh, and that's in Hennepin County. Pretty sure Corcoran's just a neighborhood. Um, yeah. So yeah. In, in Minneapolis, it is. It's a it's a city way out west. What? Yeah, I'm on the border heard. of Wright County. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so let's talk. About, so I know you've been on the job for a hundred days, just or maybe a hundred and six, just about something. Yeah, Nadine, like that. how many uh, days is it? Hundred and ten. Oh wow. Oh well, I wasn't counting weekends, yeah. but uh, she so does, I guess. But uh, I'm cur- so what's different or what will be different i guess right like well, what where are the places we would see a difference between what the well, predecessor and you well 110 days i guess we've already seen um the way we're dealing with people uh you know peer support has been important to me uh if the employees are happy and healthy i've talked about in the campaign if they're happy and healthy they're going to treat you people yeah. happy and healthy and uh you know, we change stuff from the uniforms to uh you can have facial hair to relaxing the tattoo policy because um, right now we're not, we can't hire any, you know, veterans. So wait, or, you can have beards and tattoos now? No, we're beards, uh, but goatees. Goatees. Well, why would you pick that? I. Well, again, we have to, we have to represent the community we serve, and people have tattoos and facial I hair. mean, you, you could draw a line somewhere. No, uh, I think it's, uh, we're missing out on veterans, we're missing out on uh, people from more urban environments that got tattoos at a young age, and yeah. those people are, are I get a deputy anybody. So, so a, a huge part of the campaign, and you already brought it up, was immigration. Mm-hmm. You were very vocal about criticizing the way that the department had, you know, I- interacted with ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement. Uh, so, uh, again, to almost go back to that, what is going to be different? What is different about the way the department dealt with some of those issues before and now the way you're proposing it? Well, you know, it all comes down to community trust. So if, if people are here and documented, uh, they're paying taxes, they're, they have jobs, they have kids in school, they're too scared to call us. What's the point of us? So my idea was if someone gets booked for a crime, they're going to be treated like anybody regardless of their immigration status. And we've changed uh, the process of if uh, – you know, current the old system, they had to call ICE, the agents, the person who claimed they're undocumented, called ICE, and now we just don't pressure them to call because it's none of our, it's really none of our business. And there's systems in place where, if they're there long term for violent uh, felonies, uh, they take their print, fingerprints, and every 30 days it gets recorded to the BCA, and so we're just letting the, um, the system work itself out. We're following laws, but we're not, you know, kind of over enforcing a, a population that I don't think needs to be. So. In that same vein, you come out and said uh, you support driver's licenses for uh, yeah. undocumented uh, Minnesotans. And I'm curious, I, it's, it's actually, sh- I feel like we could probably do a whole show on that, but yeah. I, what is the, A, justification for that, and B, why, why, do you, why do you care about that as the sheriff? Well, well before 2003, it was legal here. Uh, Tim Pawlenty, uh changed it uh, 2003, 2004. Uh, there's 14 other states that have driver's license for all. Uh, and the point is that these people are are driving. Uh, a lot a lot of them are you know construction workers, and um, they, they can't take transit because they have to carry their stuff. And they're driving already, so let's let's get them licensed, let's get them insured, and let's get their cars titled and their names. And and it's it's better for everybody because right now you stop somebody, uh, they don't have insurance, they don't have license, and the car. A lot of times, cops have no idea who the car belongs to. And with this process of driver's license for all, if they don't have insurance. And the car is titled incorrectly, then I don't think 
the police and state patrol will, will, will feel bad for issuing citations because they have the chance to make it right, and they choose not to. Now they don't even have the chance to make it right. So that's why I support it, and I still support it, even though I got a bunch of bad press on it from groups of the county. But uh, to me, right's, right is right. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> There's a uh, there's a piece of being elected sheriff uh, that again I, I I've seen this play out on like a city level where uh, you have a department and a lot of those folks are career folks they've been there for years or whatever and then and maybe this is the same in any kind of organization a, the new guy comes in and they're like well I didn't I didn't vote for this guy maybe uh, and now all of a sudden he's going to change like the way we're doing things or whatnot and I am I'm curious internally like how you start to try build that trust in a department that, you know, has to work with you and you have to work with them. But again, like you're the new guy all of a sudden. Yeah. There's guys there who might, or women too, who might be like, oh, I've been here a lot longer than you have. Well, there's a ton of people. My, half my administration has been there 20 some years and they have to adapt because, you know, I am the new boss and, and if they don't like it, they got to find another job. But, <laughs> but, lot, do, but yeah. I mean, it, you know, I... Or they could just be miserable. I, yeah. I mean, it's very uh, Minnesotan uh, to just. True. I, the, the first, the first you know, three, four months here, I've uh, been in every single division. Uh, you know, we have about 900 employees, uh, unofficial count. I've met about 400. So I'm going to all these divisions. I'm talking to people, and I'm telling them, like, I appreciate you working here. I go out of my way to talk to them, and, you know, there's uh, men and women who I've talked to who said, I've been here 24 years. I've been through four sheriffs, and I've never once met the sheriff so just shaking my hand it's like you know they disagreed with me they still respect the the position i guess yeah yeah. that's interesting is the job different than you thought it would be or is it pretty much what you thought i I just the hours are a little longer i think my husband justin might contest to that so (laughs) but uh it's it's good i i kind of knew it was coming i knew it's gonna be hard work and i'm at the point now where i've learned the art of uh, delegation so i can start assigning people to some of the meetings that um, maybe I don't need to be at. Uh, so I'm getting a little more free time and you know getting back to regular life, I guess. I'm glad that you did not assign someone else to do this show. Uh, yeah, that would be I could would have been awkward. Yeah, uh, so uh, a, a couple other things that I know that you ran on and that you're working on. One was uh, beefing up 911 dispatch. Was mm. that was a piece? What what? Just talk to me about why is that. Whenever I call nine one one for whatever, yeah. uh, they pick up. It seems like they're yeah. fine. It, it, they they do because they're true professionals. But you know we have a lot of problems. We, you know we're staffed for about sixty, and at, when I came in, we only had about thirty dispatchers for the busiest dispatch center in the state. That's it's not good, and a lot of people are quitting because of the long hours. They're getting forced to work overtime, um, and we're still battling with that. You know we uh, are hiring a. Uh, new communications director to try to solve some of that stuff. Um, we're looking for people from the outside, from the outside of the state even, because uh, they needed help. We're still struggling. It's month four, and uh, there's still a lot of complaints out of there, but it's important because they're the first person you call. Um, they send the right people, police, fire, dispatch. Uh, if someone's suffering from mental health crisis, they also as a, a social worker, and they do so much stuff, and they're you know underpaid, underappreciative, and uh, my goal is just to make them feel better and give them you know, uh, options like we're um, next week. We're having some kind of service animals going for to talk to. You know, not to talk to them. Hopefully, they don't talk to them. But to go in there, what? Yeah, they're talk just like the just like the goat. Yeah. But 
it's just to make them feel better because that's a tough job. And, you know, we always in public safety forget about them because, you know, the cops and firefighters and the paramedics are out in the street, you know, you know, doing what they sent us to do. And we forget about them. And, and so you're sitting there for 10 hours a day listening to pretty much total chaos it gets anybody down. So sure. we're working on it. So, you, so you've got you said about 60 right now. And no, then- we're we're. We're scheduled. We have about sixty. We can have. I think we're at forty something. Forty something. Do you? Yeah. And so, do you have a number that you want to get to? Or? We want to get fully staffed. I think fully it's fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and the other piece of uh, the so staff. We're hiring too, so They're people hiring. need jobs. There are job applications in the yeah. back. Um, yeah. uh, the other piece uh, that I know that is a big conversation in hopefully departments across the country in particular you've talked about is, is diversifying mm-hmm. the force Absolutely. so that the, the force looks more like the communities that it serves. And I'm wondering, you've already talked about the goatee problem, which we disagree about, but um, <laughs> other than that, what are the challenges to diversifying the force, having the force look more like the communities that it serves? I think we've not done a good job recruiting you know, young men and women of color from more urban environments. Uh, and by the time they get to high school, sometimes they might have some things on the record that will just, you know, won't allow them to become a police officer. There's certain laws or uh, certain things to get a post license. You can't be convicted of certain felonies, et cetera. So I think we've got to do a better job of getting these kids like at a teenage uh, age because they're, they're more open to learn and, and be uh, kind of excited about policing. But, you know, we're just going out there uh, – you know, I was talking to uh, the mayor at a fundraiser before I got here. You know, the big thing is just to, if you get, you know, four or five people from a different group. Uh, for instance, we just hired uh, um, two East African guys um, in this last applicant application process. You know, we had 65 applicants, 15 or 20 of those people were from East African countries. So they want to go places where they feel comfortable, just like, you know, for instance, uh, we just hired two um, Hmong guys, and this application process, there's six Hmong guys who put in, and, and, and women, because they, they want to go places they feel comfortable, and uh, I think yeah. they need, again, they want to go to an agency that has people look like them. So I know that I've, I've heard your former boss, John Harrington, who used to be the head of uh, Metro Transit mm-hmm. Police, now is the state, uh, the commissioner of public safety for the state. Uh, he talked about that when he was at Metro Transit, he did a lot to diversify the force, and he would just actively like seek out other police officers primarily people of color who are police officers at other departments, he'd be like, ooh, that's a good one. And, like, try and get them to, like, come yeah. and work. for. And so I'm wondering, who are you going to start poaching uh, from people? Uh, absolutely. The only, problem, the, only, the only problem is, you know, in the counties usually pay a little less. Oh. Just like kind of how it's set up. And I know we have a county commissioner in here, too, so maybe we can work on that with her. Well, okay. So but, I was going to bring this up. And yeah. we do have a county commissioner here. I don't know the, how awkward this is. but Probably pretty the, awkward. The, 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 yeah. the county commission cut your budget last yeah, year, right? So well, uh, yeah. I, just, I don't know. Do you want to say anything about that? No. Oh, I think it's, it's in the past. But I think it was a lot of it to do with uh, my predecessor and um, – you know, there's some outgoing people leave. You know, outgoing politicians, and it's just kind of a bad situation. But we've made the best of it, and it's not going to affect how we police people and keep them safe. But we always can use more money because you know we had the, uh, you know, from everything from our water patrol to jail, all this stuff, all these programs we want. They're just they don't fall out of the sky. They cost money. 
Follow-up question. What is Water Patrol? Water uh, Patrol, Because yeah. I want to be on it, I think. Well, we actually, uh, I played water polo in high school. Uh, am I qualified? It's a little different, but you can be a volunteer if you want. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, but what am I volunteering for? But yes. Well, um, well you, you ride with a licensed deputy on the boat or uh, jet skis or snowmobiles. Jet skis? Yeah, there's some jet skis, yeah. So what... <laughs> Why? Why do you have a water patrol? Because like, we have, you know, for flakes. Don't we have a navy? <laughs> well, the navy's uh, not for Henry County. So this is an interesting piece because, yeah. uh, again, uh, as I said at the top, there's a lot of parts of the the sheriff's department that I feel like we probably have no idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the sheriff's department, and this the water patrol is like one. So I, I only learned this week your your office declares ice out yeah. on Lake Minnetonka. Like, uh, yeah. What else do you do that I don't know? We, um, do. we, we do pretty much everything. Anything you need. No, our, it's jail, courts, uh, warrants, civil, water patrol. We have a patrol division. Um, you know, we do everything local, you know, Minneapolis does except for um, you know, water patrol. We do, um, you know, we do pretty much anything a local jurisdiction does. But also we do... Um, kind of behind the scenes stuff that you'll never see unless you go to jail or court. And uh, I, th- you know, I think uh, you know, water patrol is an instance where you know we patrol lakes, rivers, any drownings. We unfortunately have to go uh, do the investigation. But you know, Hennepin County, uh, I think outside of Lake Havasu and outside of uh, coastal uh, areas, um, Lake Minnetonka on the Fourth of July is the busiest body of water in the country. Uh, in know. the what? Yeah, we have the the largest water patrol division. Um, in a you know inside the the you know not coastal obviously New York has a bigger one but anywhere inside the United States uh, we patrol again lakes rivers Minnetonka uh, we do boat safety we uh, unfortunately people drown we do the investigations uh, snowmobile patrol in the winter we have airboats so if it's in between the winter and the summer and you can't get out on the water airboats will go out there kind of like a hovercraft and we'll go rescue people we can declare ice out if we need to. I had no idea. Um, uh, I just have a couple more questions. And in the second half of the show, I should say, we open it up for you all to ask questions of our guests. So I hope that you're thinking about some of the things you wanted to ask him. So uh, you mentioned you were just at uh, an event with Mayor Jacob Fry, Mm -hmm. who made news last week by saying, oh, Minneapolis is no longer going to let police officers in Minneapolis do warrior trainings, uh, which are these uh, types of trainings. And it's sort of... I don't know if you extracurricular continuing education that uh, that the, and but they're hyper I don't know uh, masculine not even masculine I don't know what to call them broy uh, like yeah. uh, well I, you know and I and I talked to him in depth about this it's it's you know the policing changes in areas like my dad over here started in the in the seventies seventies was tough for us the eighties was okay and the nineties were really bad for us uh, the early two thousands were. Uh, Decent. Now we're in a decent era. Uh, less cops are getting uh, murdered. Um, so, you know, I think there's some messaging things maybe he could have done better, and I talked to him about that as far as, you know, cops need to be safe. And the warrior mentality probably isn't what we want anymore. We, it's more of a, you know, we, we're a protector. But we still, there's bad people that are going to harm us, and we need to be able to protect ourselves, protect the community, you know, places like, you know, Vegas and these mass shootings. I mean, if, if, if we don't have the training, then who's going who's gonna to stop the threat? It's just not like magical people come from the sky. But also we need to make sure that 
Um, our primary objective is to keep people safe and have good relationships with people. And we can do that as well as have training um, to keep ourselves safe. But I think the number one thing is a good relationship with the community um, and cha- you know, changing the name of this warrior training to more of a, a self-defense or a, a community uh, safety training. But the warrior mentality just doesn't fit well in, in our current society. And I think it's just a, a mix of words. And uh, you know, it's just really we need community involvement. We need community help. But we're also the people who come when you know, shit hits the fan, too. Uh, does that mean that would you want, like, Hennepin County officers to not do warrior training as well? I think the name warrior training, I think, has no place in law enforcement anymore. But, um, again, uh, we, we need to have training to keep us alive and to keep other people alive. So I think the name goal, we just really got to change the name and, and make sure that the, the cops are training uh, not only to help the community, but to keep the community safe. And, again, the mayor talked about, you know, there's only 1% or 2% of, of bad people in the world, and, um, you know, 98% of people are good. And it just, again, there's 2% of the idiot cops that uh, we don't like, but 98% of cops are good people. And so we got to police for, you know, we're trying to keep the, the peace for the majority. There's 2% of people that we're, we can't help, but may not want our help, but eventually we can get there with, with cooperation. Again, cooperation from from the people to the sheriff's office, the police departments, to the social workers, education, all that. So the last thing I wanted to ask you, and I, I like this is sort of like a, I, I'm going to ask you how to ask that. I, I couldn't, I thought a lot about how to ask about, do, is it a big deal that you're a gay sheriff? Some stumpy bullet is, yeah. <laughs> Not to me. Obviously. Not to you? No, it's, again, I think, you know, some, um, you know, minority communities might might find some uh, support or some, you know, good vibes from it because, you know, I've been through stuff, you know, similar to other communities but different. You know, being a, a gay uh, police officer was tough in my 20s, you know. But as soon as I eventually came out and, you know, even the oldest, grouchiest cop, they don't care. They, as long this as you can do the job. I mean, this is really because yeah. I did read a story. Like, I mean, uh, that you know, there was there was a time when yeah. at least some officers tried to use that against you, but it didn't work. Is that no? It's the one in particular. I don't. I don't want to generalize again. Is but he here? No, um, I don't think he's here. <laughs> if he was here, I wouldn't even care because uh, yeah, it's in the past. But uh, he's unhappy. He's a jerk, and uh, he he did stuff that thought was going to make me uh, upset. It just kind of made the coming out process easier to some, you know, old guys I really respected that I was worried about, you know, their approval. Um, Were you surprised that they, that you know, that the no. older cops, that some of the, because, no. you know, you would think that you would have an, I think people might have an assumption, oh, like, oh, maybe that would cause tension or, or no, difficult. I, no. no, you know, again, nobody to my face ever, there's people that talk bad about you, but I had nothing but good, uh, you know, good you know, everybody said positive stuff about it. You know, a lot of people have said, "Why didn't she just tell us who gives a shit?" You know, and um, it's really how it worked. And that that one idiot, uh, he's since retired, and I mean, he's just uh, he's a miserable person. And I, you know, I always say that uh, he's a, kind of a mutual friend of mine. And I always kind of said that, you know, him doing that kind of set the stage for me coming out more comfortably. And so I thought, well, you know, when I run for sheriff, everybody and their mom's going to know and. Uh, so he kind of set the stage for me to not care, and here we are, you know? Yeah. So, and here we are. Yeah. So can we do a tremendous round of applause 
Sharon, Dave, hi to everybody. Uh, if you have a question for our guest, uh, raise your hand and I will come towards you with the microphone in a non-threatening way. And I look at so many questions that I haven't even offered that I will give you a sticker uh, if you do it. So I don't, I, I, I will do, I, I got to move around a little. Did you, do, is it the same question? No. no. no totally. Who has the better question? I do. I'm interested in knowing what you know about restorative justice. And if you know about it, how are you going to implement it in Hennepin County in an important way? Uh, you know, good question. I think you know, we're really working on some new innovative stuff about uh, diversion programs before people even get booked in into the system. Because people who get it into the system uh, more and more times, they're, it's tough to get out because they cost a lot of money. Uh, you know, and you know, you're spending money. Uh, sometimes you have to make money illegally. But restorative justice to me is just to get people who have committed crime, who made a mistake, back to the right track. And that takes the the sheriff's office, takes the, the judicial system, our county attorneys, uh, you know, our community. And we're slowly making steps to it. Uh, you know, I think Mike Freeman's kind of changed his tune on a few things with that, uh, with outside influences and. Um, I think it's a good th idea because we don't want people in our jail. We don't want people in our system. We want people uh, to go to work or education or, or spend time with their families. So it's, it's cheaper in the long run. It's better for our community. Okay, I will. Come, I promise I'll come back over there, but I'm going to go up here and then like kind of work my way back. Oh, wow, so many people sitting next to each other that have questions. You're closer, so you get to go first. And then... What's been your biggest surprise since you took office? Yeah, I think someone asked me this uh, a few weeks ago. My biggest surprise is just how well the uh, the county uh, sheriff's office works. I mean, we have you know a bunch of different divisions, but it all comes back to the men and women who uh, are actually doing the work. Uh, they all get along so well with each other. They get along with the other agencies, the county commissioners, the county attorney's office, and it's just amazing that uh, you know a, a place with about nine hundred employees, um, you think would get a lot of stuff would get lost in the shuffle, but it doesn't. And they're true professionals, and I'm just lucky enough to be the leader now. Okay, we have another one right here. Hi. Um, what's your plan for community outreach to various populations within the county? Yeah, we've started. Uh, we have uh, five people in our community engagement team. Um, right now it's uh, a couple East Africans, we, uh, um, a male and a female. We have the... Uh, uh, african-american lieutenant that runs it and we're also in the process of hiring a, uh, a latina and we're looking for somebody from you know from the asian or, or native culture because we really want to encompass every single group that sometimes gets left out but we're doing a ton we've done uh, last saturday i was at the uh, brian coyle center talking to this uh, the somali uh, moms association or and they're uh, you know they've been struck really hard with some some gang violence some opioid violence or opioid addictions and then also with uh, um, just overall kind of their a lot of their fathers aren't necessarily in the picture because the, the mothers live in the Cedar Riverside area and their fathers are either uh, back in Somalia or on business and we're really trying to get out there to get those mothers empowered and um, as you know uh, it, the best way to get you know young men and women in line is to make sure their moms are on board and, and it, it works because it's they're the they're the ones that kind of hold the, the power when it comes to young men and women. Um, so one of your, uh, 
I guess your predecessor um, notably sent sheriff's deputies to Standing Rock um, a, a couple of years ago. And I'm just curious what sort of um, initiatives you might send deputies to. Um, what, what's your, yeah, what, what bar do you try to meet? You know, uh, we're going to send deputies to places that uh, natural disasters, you know, Hurricane Katrina type stuff. And I've already said that we're not going to send deputies um, to kind of, you know, a multinational uh, oil company. I mean, if if, if they want to do stuff, uh, they're not going to get our, our county support because it's, it's not a good use of our tax dollars. It's, uh, you know, not ethical. And uh, I've already promised that and I'll continue to promise that. Okay, there was another, okay, right here in front of me. Hello. So what's the role of the Sheriff's Department in responding to mental health emergencies, and how are you setting direction for responding to mental health? Yeah, we, we have a big role in it. You know, we only have three contract cities in Hennepin County, which means that we're in charge of the total policing of them, where, you know, Minnetonka, Minneapolis have their own police departments. But it all, it all comes back to jail. Uh, again, if we can work with people in the jail to make sure they don't come back. But we started a pilot program now with uh, – uh, we're starting in Eden Prairie, so we've hired a uh, our own um, social worker or therapist that we're going to work with Eden Prairie. So if they have uh, what we call people in crisis calls, if they have two or three of the same house, that we're going to go out there with Eden Prairie Police Department, with a deputy, with our social worker, so we can uh, minimize um, the disruption. Because a lot of times if uh, the people who don't get help that want it, you know, right now we just take them to the hospital, they get released, they come back. If we can stop that cycle so they can get help, um, again, the, the problems with, you know, uh, officer-involved shootings or use of force usually is like the second, third, or fourth. So our goal is to stop that at the second time to get them placed in places where uh, they're going to get help and not be a part of the system over and over again. I, I, I'm going to – I'm making – I'm curious on this because I've talked to other folks uh, in law enforcement, and I've heard some of them say, we ask law enforcement to do more than we used to and it's more than we're equipped to do. Uh, and I wonder if you feel that way, that like while these things you're like, we're going to do this because we need to and it's important, there's a bigger systems issue here of like, why does this end up falling on the sheriff's department? Yeah, it falls on public safety because, you know, we're the first and last line of defense for, for anything. So, you know, right now, if someone calls 911, they're having a crisis, you're sitting together as threatening suicide or... Uh, threatening violence. I mean, it's not like you can call a doctor that's going to come to your house at two in the morning. We're the people that are going to show up, and you know, again, we're we're good at uh, solving problems, but we're not the best at everything. We can't wear every single hat, and that's how we're going to partner with uh, different organizations, uh, social workers, mental health professionals. Because the last thing anybody wants to do is, is go to a call a person suffering from mental health crisis and have to fight with them, or, or worse. So we get to utilize our partners in, in social work to come to these scenes with us or when it's safe and get them real help. Because right now they're not getting real help. And, uh, again, it's the third or fourth time where kind of the bad stuff happens. So we're trying to mitigate that. Okay. I have a whole bunch of questions right here. But did, I, did you have a question, sir? And then I'm going to Sheriff, given the increasing urbanization of the western part of Hennepin County and the potential for multi-jurisdictional local policing, do you foresee that there might be a day when the sheriff's department no longer has a patrol division? Yeah, I mean, right now we're, we're down to pr pretty minimum. It's, it's three contract cities plus the Fort Snelling area is our patrol division. Uh, 
So I don't think this contract cities will ever get police tomorrow. So I can actually, not that I, I want it to or, or, or condone it, but uh, we're, I think, going to be more of an agency that, um, you know, if, if cities want to come to the sheriff's office or they merge and sometimes, a lot of times these little police departments are sometimes underfunded. Uh, but our goal is to help them. Uh, we're an investigative powerhouse. We have, uh, you know, talk about the, the sexual assaults and, um, you know, kind of Minneapolis issues with them last year and the year before. Is We have special investigators that went to training uh, to make sure that if uh, a person is accusing somebody of, of sexual assault that we're going to push the investigation farther and farther to get justice for whoever assaulted. Uh, again, we have special investigators for, um, you know, like theft and swindle and financial crimes where a lot of these uh, suburban agencies out there are never going to be able to have our know-how and, and uh, our experience. So I don't see us ever going away. I just see us uh, becoming maybe more of an investigative powerhouse uh, and a resource center for, for various things like the crime lab. But uh, I don't see it getting any smaller. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Where are we at in terms of uh, training relative to the officers in terms of um, eliminating fear in their approach when they're approaching citizens and there's so many citizens that are being shot for no reason. And to me, it's about, they're always saying they fear for their life and they're fearing for their life, which is important, way, way too soon in their first response is to shoot. So where are we with it trying to prevent that so there's a more reasonable approach to a delicate situation? Yeah, and again, you don't see a lot of use of force issues happen from head of county deputies, and, you know, we do a lot of hands-on stuff in the jail and our warrant division, our civil division, but we also have a violent offender task force, and we've always had good training at the county. Um, in the last couple of months, we've kind of reevaluated. We're doing a lot of, you know, uh, crisis intervention training. Um, you know, it used to be kind of the, the verbal judo, but I think, again, just with deputies who are happy and healthy and have a clear-thinking mind, are going to approach those situations with less fear, less anxiety, uh, because they're healthy. And, uh, and I think Hennepin County's done a great job. We're just going to do a better job. But our, our training unit is probably the best in the state, in my opinion. Hi, Sheriff. Um, I like I, uh, yes, thank you. It's yeah. a head chat. You can't say that. Yes. Um, yes. So one of the things that I really admired while you were on the campaign was your very nuanced approach to handle and walking the line between uh, representing the uniform, but also listening to people who were more from the Black Lives Matter camp. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you have for those of us who are trying to really square the messaging correctly? Because it feels like sometimes that that falls short. Um, what what would be your advice for people who want to uh, you know, push an agenda that is focused on police accountability, but also can value the work that you do and to make sure that that is, like, like seen by other people. What, what would be, from your perspective, something that would be helpful for us to be framing it as? Well, I think we've done a good job of that. You know, people uh, were kind of uh, worried or, or didn't understand what happens at jail, so we brought a, a bunch of uh, uh, immigration attorneys and we had them tour the jail. We had, like, a a mock booking of them so they can actually see what happens. Again, it's going to be just if people know where we're coming from, they'll understand. And a lot of it, we know Black Lives Matter, some of these organizations, uh, their, their objective isn't anti-police. It's just kind of they want a voice. They want, uh, they want and, you know, if bad stuff happens, they want it to be transparent and, and you know, a, a fast process. And 
Um, again, I've been uh, with all the communities from the north side, the south side, different uh, communities, and again, it's just open dialogue to talk about people. We don't have to agree, um, but I always say, if you have a better idea that how we can, you know, keep people safe, and you come talk to me in my office, I can come meet you for coffee. If you have a better idea, I'm, I'm going to use your idea because I I want to be the best at the sheriff's office because the sheriff's office is very important to me, and it's just open the dialogue and. We don't always have to agree. We just have to listen. So you mentioned that, like, we've gone through some different periods of, like, uh, how things have been for police officers, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s. I'm curious how you feel, like, the relationship between community and police officers are. Because I hear people say, um, you know, you should respect a police officer, but you shouldn't necessarily feel... uh, you shouldn't feel, I don't even, I, I, they wouldn't say you shouldn't feel safe, but they would say you should approach that with caution, that you, that a police officer, that that is not something that is sort of just safety saying to you, it is like heightened. And so I'm curious if that is different and if that's something to change. Yeah, and I think a lot of this comes from, you know, you talk about what we see on TV and, and, and video games and, you know, we got to realize that, you know, cops coming up now, young cops coming up to this era where playing the same video games as you or your kid or your friend. Uh, you seem to watch TV. So we all have these subconscious biases about everything, you know, and police have those throughout, you know, the media and all this. And a lot of that is just uh, getting these groups together that, you know, if, if cops are scared of X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z should come talk to the cop and vice versa. If we have uh, young kids from the north side who are, are terrified of the police, why don't we have those kids play basketball or football with us? I mean, that's how we change things. It's like, again, most cops are good people. Most people are good. So, it, again, it just happens to, um, you know, again, a lot of this is social media, but if we just get to the point of, of where, uh, you know, not, not, we know that we're not perfect and, we, and we've had some sin the last couple of years, but again, you can't judge every single person based off the actions of a few, be it a cop, nurse, a uh, person of, of different ethnicity. So, it really, I think, is a, a narrative that we need to work on, but it's it's not as big a deal as I think it seems sometimes. Does that makes okay, sense. Okay, so I've. T- yeah. I'm curious about how your drug sniffing goat video came to be. It it was. Uh, I'm sorry, the what now? Uh, you drug sniffing goat. Yeah. Um, the April Fool's joke. If you didn't see that. Oh. oh. <laughs> so you can go to YouTube and I think have county drug sniffing goat. Was it your goat? It was uh, not our goat. It was a retired narcotics deputy who now... Oh, I thought you were about to say retired goat. No, uh... well, he might be retired. But uh, he's a retired narcotics deputy who now owns this, this goat farm, I guess. But the, the idea came up, we want to do April Fool's Day joke, and one of uh, my majors, the one you talked about with the shifty eyes, Major Storms, <laughs> thought it would be a good idea. Uh, so our PIO, we called a bunch of people, and someone said, hey, uh, I forget his name. The deputy who retired has goats. We should go do this goat, a uh, drug sniffing goat, and it, it it worked out pretty good. It was funny. Yeah. I don't know. Do you still want to go? That was pretty good. Yeah. There's a current trend among elected officials for their parents to either provide embarrassing pictures or stories. If your parents were here, what would be your greatest fear? Well, they both know better now. They know if they if they act up tonight, they'll go back to the home. So, but no, they're uh, 
They're both good people. They're, you know, I, I was a perfect child, so I don't know if they could have on me. I feel like I should just yeah. hand you the microphone, yeah. and if you would know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, maybe that leads to sort of where I like ending with, so with uh, f- folks who have been recently elected to something. So you're only 100 days in. We talked about some of the things you want to do. I mean, uh, presumably, if you run for re-election in, in four years, what is it that we should at that point be saying like, oh, you told us you were going to do this. Like, what is it that we should be holding you accountable for four years from now or three and a half years from now? I, I think... Number number one, I think, is mental health and opiates. So those two, I think, sometimes go hand in hand. But we're doing a ton of stuff with that. Uh, you know, there's currently systems that the county offers with that, and I don't think they work. And I've already kind of battled with some people. Uh, they spent a couple years on this on this process, and the process is in play now. And it's not working. What what isn't working about it? I just don't. You know, I think you know, public safety is different than different facets facets of government, like. You know, even mental health organizations. Uh, again, we're there. Um, call nine one one. We show up. We don't have time to call everybody. So if we have uh, kind of control over social workers and how we can connect with them in parts of crisis, I think it's more important than if we can, you know, bring someone to a, a shelter and leave them there. I think a lot of times it's either immediate care, or very soon after immediate care, so we can keep these people in their houses and. Um, you know, if they're safe, it's, they're going to be much more likely to improve their their status if they're at home with their loved ones versus a hospital bed. And I think some people are kind of inserting what they've done the last couple of years and saying, well, we're already doing it. You have to do this. And our response is a uh, nice thing about being elected official. I don't have to do something I don't think is working. And, <laughs> and we're going to change it, and we're going to make it better. So I think uh, you know, I'm going down to Houston uh, to learn about their diversion programs, because a lot of times if we can get people out of the system before they get in the system is where we're going to succeed. So I think mental health opioids in this diversion program, I think, uh, are going to be you know, really set in motion in two years, and I think people are going to be really impressed. And uh, if, you know, if I do run for re-election, I think uh, uh, people are going to be excited that we got that done, and hopefully by then we'll have more things we can work on. I know you're only 100 days in. Do you want to declare you're running for re-election right now actually, on an improv show? Well, I, I have a, a lot of stuff, and my staff has a lot of dreams and, and, and stuff we want to accomplish, and I don't think we can do it in four years. I'll say that. Yeah. That's close. All yeah. right. Yeah. On that note, can we do a tremendous round of applause? Thank you. Sheriff Dave Hutchins. Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.